So I was telling the <clears throat> worshipers at 10.30, where we had the divine service for St. Nicholas. Um, it's not purple today. If it's a special day, it's either white or red, depending on if the saint was martyred or not. Uh, St. Nicholas was not, and so uh, our commemoration of him as a confessor and a bishop is, uh, is white today. Um, St. Nicholas, from which you get uh, St. Santa Claus, St. Nicholas, um, was known for his gift-giving. And uh, he came upon a father who had three daughters and they needed a dowry in order to get married and didn't have it, so he was going to have to, uh, couldn't provide for them. And and so he, uh, at went and threw a bag of money into the open window and the oldest daughter was able to have a dowry and get married. And so the next he threw another bag of money in and uh, the next daughter was able to. And I guess the father caught him throwing the third bag in and uh, uh, thanked him for his, his, his gifts. Um, but this, this same bishop is at the, uh, attended the Council of Nicaea and there confessed the truth about uh, Christ, um, was thrown in prison for a while until Emperor Constantine, uh, Christian, first Christian emperor, uh, released him, and uh, then he died a natural death. So we've got uh, white today for, for St. Nicholas. Our hymn is... On your sheet, it's also on number two in your green hymnal. Um, It is the hymn, The Day is Surely Drawing Near. So we're going to... uh, uh, Last week we had Jesus coming into Jerusalem, humble and upon a donkey. And so we have his first coming in humility... The second Sunday in Advent is his coming in glory, that is, Jesus returning again on the last day. The day is surely drawing near when God's Son, the Anointed. The day is surely drawing near when God's Son, the Anointed. St. Peter in Acts chapter 10 describes Jesus saying that it is, it is he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. He has been ordained to be that. So God's anointed is going to be coming on that great day. Goes on to say, shall with great majesty appear, shall with great majesty appear. as judge of all appointed. All mirth and laughter then shall cease. All mirth and laughter then shall cease. When flames on flames will still increase. When flames on flames will still increase. As the apostle teacheth. As the apostle teacheth. Alright, who knows who the apostle is that is talking about some apostle teaches about Christ coming back again. John? Apostle John wrote the book of Revelation. What do you think, Jane? I would say Matthew because he's got a lot of stuff in Matthew chapter 24 and 25 as we ended the last three Sundays of the church year. Paul does in Corinthians and a couple other places as well. And I... uh, It's got to be one of those three... Sorry, I don't know. I think it must be John, just because uh, most of these refer to uh, the book of Revelation. In fact, this particular hymn is one that is written, uh, as you can see, uh, it was actually an an anonymous hymn, uh, written based upon what was called the sequence hymn. The sequence hymn is a hymn that was placed, it was like a chant, it was placed in between the epistle and the gospel, and whenever they would have uh, the uh, mass for the dead, a funeral mass, 
they would have this particular chant, and uh, uh, the Iris Dei, if, if uh, you might be familiar with. Anyway, it was based upon that. Here's the way it goes. Day of wrath, O day of mourning. See fulfilled the prophet's warning. Heaven and earth in ashes burning. Oh, what fear man's bosom rendeth when from heaven the judge descendeth on whose sentence all dependeth. Wondrous sound the trumpet flingeth through earth's sepulchres it ringeth all before the throne it bringeth. All right, so the... the uh, uh, the the mass for the dead was was uh, as far away from today's celebrations of life as you could possibly get. Um, it was definitely a matter of we're going to put the fear of death, of God, of judgment, everything about that. Now this uh, hymn, as we have it, uh, Bartholomew Ringwald uh, rewrote it. Use the first stanza, almost, um, talking about the days drawing near, God's appointed. Yes, the judge is going to appear, and it, you do have that mirth and laugh, laughter shall cease, and flames on flames. Um, but uh, it does go on to let us know, what do we need to know about this, about this last day uh, that, is, that is to come? Stanza 2. A trumpet loud shall then resound, and all the earth be shaken. Then all who in their graves are found shall from their sleep awaken. But all that live shall in that hour. By the Almighty's boundless power, be changed at His commanding. So, it stands at one, has the last day, it has Jesus, who is the anointed one, uh, and uh, the uh, judgment that is to come. It says here, uh, what will precede that? Uh, a trumpet sound that's going to gather all of the earth. Uh, the graves are going to give up their dead. All that sleep will awaken. Uh, and where at the first coming, there were some that received him uh, with palm branches, with hosannas and shouts. There were others that did not receive him and uh, jeered and, and questioned about the children giving praise and then finally put him to the cross. But here it says... By the Almighty's boundless power, be changed at his commanding. Everyone has to come before him. You can't say, no, I, I think I'm going to miss out. Uh, I think I'll leave. No, I don't have time. i got somewhere to go. No, this is going to be the coming uh, that is going to be in, in, uh, in great power. Uh, and so no one uh, can say no to this. Stanza number three. A book is open, then to all, a record truly telling. A book is open, then to all, a record truly telling. What each hath done, both great and small, when he on earth was dwelling. What each hath done, both great and small, when he on earth was dwelling. And every heart be clearly seen. And all be known as they have been. In thoughts and words and actions. So it speaks about a book. In fact, the scriptures at various points talk about uh, books at the last day. Um, it does appear to be a symbolic uh, rendering. Um, there is what we would call the book of life. Uh, that is, all those who are saved, your name is written in the book of life. There are other places where it talks about uh, books in which uh, the works of men are written and it will be brought before. What this teaches is not um, a, a 
matter of St. Peter standing at the gate and if you've done good, you know, you're, you're, you're going to earn salvation. No, it is what our Lord has taught us before, even with the sheep and the goats, where we saw that the sheep were welcomed in and none of their evil works were remembered. Even these, as it says, these, these books, for the believers, not one of your sins, and, well, we know sins of thoughts and words and, and actions, as, as we often profess, um, they will not be brought up on that day. Uh, your sins are forgiven. Uh, and so we know uh, that when we come before him, what is going to be revealed by this judgment day? And again, we've talked at the end of the church here that it's a judgment day in which the Lord uh, has works that are shown. It says quite clearly in this one, and every heart be clearly seen. The Lord is there revealing where there is faith in the heart and where there is not. That's what these works are to teach us. Who is a believer and who is not? And so, uh, here we don't know, but as it says here, all will be known as they have been. It will be clearly revealed who is a sheep and who is a goat. Who is a believer and who is not? That is what will be shown on on that last day. Stanza 4. Then woe to those who scorned the Lord and sought but carnal pleasures. Then woe to those who scorned the Lord and sought but carnal pleasures. Who here despised his precious word and loved their earthly treasures. Who here despised his precious word and loved their earthly treasures. With shame and trembling they will stand. And at the judge's stern command, to Satan be delivered. And so it teaches us about, well, what do believers do? Well, we know what they, what do believers not do? Unbelievers are those who scorn the Lord, they cling to carnal treasures, they don't give attention, to his precious word, they despise it because they're holding to earthly treasures. We go, ah, I need to make sure that that is not. I'm a believer. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to despise my Lord. I'm going to hear the word of God. I'm going to not let the earthly treasures, which the Lord blesses us, but let them not get in the way of the hearing of God's word and, and uh, despising our, our Lord. With stanza five, we have the pronoun I. It becomes quite personal. O Jesus, who my debt didst pay and for my sin was smitten. O Jesus, who my debt didst pay and for my sin was smitten. Within the book of life, O may. My name be also written. I will not doubt, I trust in thee. I will not doubt, I trust in thee. From Satan thou hast made me free. From Satan thou hast made me free. And from all condemnation. And from all condemnation. In uh, Lutheran worship, there's only four stanzas of this hymn. It actually cuts out three, four, and five. Now you can kind of see three and four, which has a you know emphasis on the carnal pleasures and 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 the books and being known without a lot of teaching. It's kind of hard. But stanza five is just a gem, um, and this is one you know where you have Bartholomew squarely showing you that what we have been talking about. Ah, I'm talking about the Jesus. That's the Judge who comes, but he did pay for my sin. Um, and so, the book of life, my name is to be written in that because I trust in Christ and I will be saved. And so, this uh, day is not to create doubt. It's not to create fear. In fact, we'll see in tonight's uh, reading. Uh, the Lord is going to give us a, a, a quite frank telling about what's going to happen on the last day. And yet, with that, he is going to exhort the believers to hope and joy and, and 
they're not to uh, be concerned. In fact, they ought to uh, welcome it. Come, Lord Jesus. And so here we see, I will not doubt, I trust in thee, in talking about uh, where before they would be handed over to Satan, their master. Uh, here it says, we're set free from Satan uh, and from condemnation. Usually the way the scriptures speak of these things is, you know, we, we like to think that we are a free agent and, and we are free. And so even the little religious tract says, you know, are you, are you going to uh, cast, you know, without voting, you're going to vote for Satan or you're going to vote for God? Whose side are you going to be on? And, and the reality is, is that nobody is in the middle. Nobody has that choice. You're either being ridden by Satan or you have been set free and you are with God. This is the way uh, we are. We are, have a bound will by nature, and so the Lord has come and set us uh, free. Stanza 6. Therefore, my intercessor be, and for thy bloody merit... Declare my name from judgment free. With all who life inherit. That I may see thee face to face. With all thy saints in that blessed place. Which thou for us hast purchased. So, with this coming uh, of our Lord, he is none under, not only is the judge, he's our intercessor, and he's going to intercede for us with his own blood, uh, and our name will be forgiven, declared free, along with all, um, it says we get to see him face to face, we get a glorious reunion with him, with all the saints. Uh, why? Well, we've been purchased, and so... We welcome this day of Christ's return and us getting to uh, uh, to be with him. And so we see with stanza number seven, O Jesus Christ, do not delay, but hasten our salvation. O Jesus Christ, do not delay, but hasten our salvation. We often tremble on our way in fear and tribulation. Then hear us when we cry to thee. Come, mighty judge, and make us free. From every evil, amen. And so the believer, uh, having seen what will happen to the unbelievers and then seeing what will happen to the believers, hastens the day, asks that the Lord would come. Uh, one of the, you know, there's several uh, Hebrew terms that are often used in, in worship words like Hosanna, um, Alleluia, these kind of words. There's a Greek term, it's the term Maranatha, and it's included in some of the early uh, liturgies. Uh, it is a word which means, come Lord Jesus. Um, and they would often uh, use that Similar to a Hosanna, it was kind of a cry out of saving, you know, um, uh, something bad is going to happen. Oh, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus, uh, free us from this uh, trouble and of this world. So, uh, here we kind of have, come mighty judge and make us free from every evil. That's, that's exactly the, uh, the church's prayer. In fact, those last three stanzas that begins with the, uh, the personal I appears to be uh, the prayer of a, a believer uh, speaking directly to God. Oh, Jesus, do not delay. Oh, Jesus, uh, set me free. Give me these things. All right, let's take a look. Uh, let's sing stanza number one. Surely drawing near when God's Son be anointed.
shall with great majesty appear as judge of all appointed. All mirth and laughter then shall cease when flames on flames will still increase as the Apostle Teacher. All right, tonight we're on uh, the Lord's Prayer. We're on the sixth petition of the Lord's Prayer, which is, and lead us not into temptation. Uh, If you have your little book, it's on page 18. What does this mean? Answer, repeat after me. God indeed tempts no one. But we pray in this petition that God would guard and keep us so that the devil, the world, and our flesh may not deceive us nor seduce us. into misbelief, despair, and other great shame and vice, although we be assailed by them, that still we may finally overcome and obtain the victory. That still we may finally overcome and obtain the victory. Very good. And lead us not into temptation. Hmm. All right. So, in every prayer, uh, in every petition that we have of the Lord's Prayer, when we get to the very end of the conclusion, Luther says to us that we should be certain that these petitions are pleasing, they are heard by him, and he has promised to hear us. That means he has promised to say... Yes. We need to be able to pray so that when we give our amen to it, we say, the Lord heard that prayer and the Lord said yes to it. Hallowed be thy name. We want God's name to be holy. Does the Lord desire that our We keep his name holy. So the Lord says to us, Amen. Right? We could pray, Lord, lead us not to misuse your name. And the Lord would say, Yes, I will help you not to, you know, misuse the name. Just like the commandments, you can express something in a positive or in a negative way. You can say, you shall have no other gods, or you can say, have only the one true God. They're the same. They're the same. This particular petition, uh, and lead us not into temptation, expresses a negative. Does the Lord want to lead us into temptation? Well, no. In fact, as Uh, Luther in the small catechism lets us know God indeed tempts no one. Well, now where did Luther get this idea? James chapter 1 verse 13 and 14 says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. So Luther didn't make this up. James quite clearly lets us know that God himself doesn't tempt anyone. Now someone might say, well, you know, to tempt someone, uh, you know, you put up, you put out the carrot on the stick, you know, you try to lead them, you know. Maybe God's just, He's, he's trying to see. Uh, and so God's going, well, I'm, gonna, I'm going to you know, say something wrong to see if you will 
Does, does God ever do that? Does he ever try to get us to sin just to sin? Never. Never. I mean, we, we, yes, I mean, sometimes we, we ourselves, we have sarcasm or I'll say, you know, I try to illustrate, our God never does that. He is not duplicitous. He does not, not at all. So this is the kind of God we have. When we say, and lead us not into temptation, he answers us, yes, I will never lead you into temptation. In fact, when we say, lead us not into temptation, that's the negative. What would the positive be? If we were going to express that in a positive way. Guard and keep us. Guard and keep us from it. Right. Lead us not. Guard and keep us in the true faith. You know, um, granted. Now, to be quite technical, there are times that God, and we normally don't use the word tempt, there are times that God tempts us to do good. He never tempts us to do evil. He's always trying to encourage us, get us to do what is right. That, in fact, is what he is always doing. And so when we pray this, we remind ourselves that that is what God always does, and he never leads. So where do these temptations come from, according to James? He says, they come from within. So how is God going to lead us not into temptation? Well, he's going to have to fight against uh, stuff that is tempting us. He's going to have to fight against our sinful nature. In the fight against the devil, the world, our sinful nature. Does he do that? Yes. How does he do that? Reminds us what he says. Reminds us of his word. Absolutely. Yes, he reminds us of his word. He takes us right back to the word so that we are fortified, we are strengthened against, you know, against these things. Now, granted, last week... We had the petition about what? Forgive us our... So what do we find? Even though we've become a Christian and even though we've been fortified, we find that we will... We Yes, it's... Our sinful nature takes over. Right. It's not that God's not there. It's just that we are so weak. Right. But here we have that strengthening that God has promised. And he's strengthening us then and reminding us this is what love looks like. Yes. I mean, he's forgiving us too, but there's a whole bunch of other stuff. Correct. Yeah. Correct. I'd say there, there would be some who could twist what God has said or done and make it sound like he's tempting. Yeah. For example, when he tells Abraham sacrifice his son. Well, he's just tempting him to do something evil. No. God was actually strengthening his faith in that and providing for him. You know, you got to take a look at the, the big picture of God's whole plan and promise. Um, well, there's a lot more there going on. Well, yeah, but that's probably 10 position, <laughs> That sacrifice is not evil. Right. It's that, not. That's, that would not be murder. No, that's a human interpretation of that. Right. Well, that's cherry-picking. So, was brought up to me um, a modern equivalence. Back in 2017, Pope Francis uh, made the comment that the Lord's Prayer, that particular petition, and lead us not into temptation, uh, was misleading and the wording needed to be changed. In 2019, he changed the words for the Italian uh, uh, church, for their book of... So that it did not say anymore and lead us not into temptation. I want you to follow me just a little bit. This, this might be a little, a little difficult, but, but I find it just... You know, I've already explained to you. I've given you the truth. You, you can figure this out. Here's what the Pope said. 
it is not a good translation because it speaks of God who induces temptation. As he told the Italian TV, I'm the one who falls. It's not him pushing me into temptation to then see how I have fallen. A father doesn't do that. A father helps you get up immediately. It's Satan who leads us into temptation. That's his department. So, (laughs) it's not a good translation because it presents God as inducing us to temptation. That trying to get us. Is, Is that what it says? We're praying for his will. <laughs> I mean, we're and, asking him, what now? We're asking him to lead us away from the Right. That's what we're asking exactly. Yeah. Because we live in this world and it's not only our own sinful flesh, but it's the evils around us. You know, this is also a beautiful world that he created. But, you know, there's no denying that evil exists in this world and in our sinful flesh. Right, right. But the Pope says, no, this particular, when you pray this petition, what you're doing is you're saying, God is a part of the tempting, and you're asking him to quit doing that. He's, he's, he's actually tempting you into evil, and you're telling him not to. Well, he's already misunderstanding what happened in the garden, didn't he? Isn't it? Isn't it? But this is only the beginning. This is what, you know, so, so okay, great. So, in the article I have, you know, uh, uh, some have expressed concerns, you know, about anyone changing the words of the Lord's Prayer, right? So, what do they do? They go to Meredith Warren, who's a lecturer in biblical and religious studies. Um, I'm a little suspicious already that... The one who is in the theology department is not a man in the pastoral office, but a woman. But, okay. And so uh, uh, they ask her, what do you think about this? Is that an online degree? (laughs) It could be. It could be. So here's what she says. This new version of the Lord's Prayer, this is what Pope Francis, this new version of the Lord's Prayer, tries to avoid implying that God has some hand in evil. But in doing so, the Pope not only overlooks many biblical examples where God works with the devil to tempt his followers and even his own son. This new version actually goes against the plain meaning of the Greek of the Gospel text. So her complaint is what? He's not hard enough on God. Right. God. She says God actually does work with Satan to try to trick people. He did it to others. He even did it to his son. And the Pope's trying to like, clean up God's act. And that's the problem. It goes on in another place. It says, well, you know, like when God was with Job, you know, and, and, and Satan, and God actually challenges uh, uh, the devil, kind of gives him uh, uh, says, well, why don't you try to test him? And, 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 you know, like God is tricking his son into so, so her complaint <laughs> is, is not the right complaint, but, but the actual wrong complaint, because guess what? She actually does think that God tempts us. So can you get two people more wrong, and can't, you can't help either one of them. But, but that's what has been brought forward. Um, Karen? It just makes you weep for people, doesn't it? For the layman. You know, it, that, that's, what they, that's what they get when they go to church. Right. Oh. Um, exactly. And, and so I, I, I will say there are so many times my heart goes out when, you know, then they, uh, uh, they go to the Luther scholar and ask him something. And I'm, I'm like going, oh, my goodness, this person has no idea about Luther. And then they go to, you know, to get a response. to And so you have two things. I mean, nobody could unravel either one of those. I mean, neither one has. Yes. So. Well, just, you know, the thousands of years. 
all of a sudden, you know, the Pope and her are going to say, oh, I've had an epiphany. I have the information. <laughs> right. You know, right, right. I, I know what's right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Luther has it right. As I showed you, even from the book of James. I mean, why? Because it's scriptural. Um, this is not our own ideas. God tempts no one. No one is being tempted by God. Um, and so, what do we do? We ask God, and he says, yes, I promised you I will not tempt you. I will guard and protect you. I will be there at each step of the way. Don't ever think that I am tempting you. Um, right. Um, I'm not going to lead you into temptation. And that's what he promises. May light the candles, and we will begin. Please stand. Oh Lord, open my lips. And my mouth will declare your praise. Make haste, O oh God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O oh Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Praise to you, O Christ, King who comes to save us. You may be seated. The reading is on the back of the bulletin. It's Luke chapter 21. And there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars, and on the earth distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven will be shaken." Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now, when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads, because your redemption draws near. Then he spoke to them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they are already budding, you see and know for yourselves that summer is now near. So you also, when you see these things happening... Know that the kingdom of God is near. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and cares of this life. And that day come on you unexpectedly. For it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Here ends the reading. The hymn. drawing near when God's Son the anointed shall with great majesty appear 
as Judge Abel appointed, all mirth and laughter then shall cease, when flames on flames will still increase, as thy apostle teacher, a trumpet loud shall then resound, and all the earth be shaken. Then all who in their graves are found shall from their sleep awaken. But all that live shall in that hour by the Almighty's boundless power be changed at his commanding. A book is opened unto all, a record truly telling what each hath done, both great and small, when he on earth was dwelling, and every heart be clearly seen, and all be known as they have been, in thoughts and words and actions. Then woe to those who scorn the Lord, and sought but carnal pleasures, who here despised his precious word, and loved their earthly treasures. With shame and trembling they will stand, and at the judge's stern command, to Satan be delivered. O Jesus, whom my debt did pay, and for my sin was smitten, within the book of life obeyed, my name be also written. I will not doubt, I trust in thee. From Satan thou hast made me free, and from all condemnation. Therefore my intercessor be, and for thy bloody merit, declare my name from judgment free, with all who life inherit, that I may see thee face to face, with all thy saints in that blessed place, which thou for us hast purchased. O Jesus Christ, do not delay, but hasten our salvation. We often tremble on our way, in fear and tribulation, then hear us when we cry to Thee. Come, mighty judge, and make us free from every evil Amen. So I already mentioned, last week we took a look at Jesus coming into Jerusalem. This would all be about his first coming to suffer and die as a humble king uh, to save us from our sins. With Luke chapter 21, 
we now jump to his second coming. And uh, it lets us know what is going to come before. There's going to be signs. And concerning these things that come before, we have things in the celestial area. We have sun and moon and stars. We've got signs here on the terrestrial area, that is, on the earth. We have uh, distress of nations. Uh, we have wars and fighting and nations uh, in uproar. With perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. And so we have natural uh, occurrences uh, that cause uh, destruction, the waves, you know, uh, hurricanes and things of this sort. We even have within uh, the hearts of men, we have in people themselves, it says, hearts failing with fear, expectation of those things that were, that are coming uh, to come on the earth. Uh, and it lets us know that the powers of the heavens are going to be shaken. All right, so we take a look at all these signs. Signs in the heavens, signs on the earth. Uh, we, we have people uh, getting upset and, 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 and all of this. We put all these signs together and we can figure out when Jesus is coming back again. Good luck with that, Good luck with that one. Yeah, with a, a little meme. Advent is here to let us know that Christmas might not come. Ooh, the second Sunday in Advent is here, especially to let us know that Christmas might not come. You might not get there. The Lord can return at any point. Um, yes, my wife told me that this morning. It was very uh, enlightening. Um, all right, so you got all these signs. Well, all these signs, when Christ comes, it's going to be just like that. We're not going to all be looking around wondering about what's happening. Right, right. We're going to know immediately. We're going to know what's going on. Right, yeah, um... You know, when the Twin Towers went down, you know, you're kind of, oh, and one hit, and then you're kind of watching TV, and another hits, and then you hear about something else, and you kind of go, ooh, what's coming? And you're kind of, like you said, no, it's going to be, it, there's, there's not going to be an hour of, yeah. even an hour. I wonder what's going on. You're gonna have, you don't have to figure it out. Hmm. <laughs> so what about, what about all these signs? They're already happening. They're happening now. They are happening now. Aren't those simply to teach us there's evil in the world? We can't save ourselves. Um, there is evil in the world. This in particular lets us know even more. I mean, another aspect of that is that when the Lord returns, uh, this world. Now, the, the Lord created the heavens and the earth. He separated out the land and the sea. He created a place for us. He gave us the animals. He gave us the land. It was all for us. He this is all going to fold up. It's all going to go away. And so, yes, we've got evil in this world, but to let you know that, the stars, the sun, the moon, the terrestrial, whatever, what causes men's hearts? The idea that, wait a minute, this is not forever? Right here? No, it's not. This is, you know... Um, now, granted in a world in which we have made use of technology to, to look at some of these things. Um, a comet going through the sky may not tell you that uh, a star is falling. Um, granted, that was it. A eclipse may not tell you that the sun has decided to darken and then this is the end of the world. All of those things are following what we call natural order. And natural order was put in place by God. That's how the universe runs. Not that he's not running it, but he is using natural order. And all of those but what happens when natural order goes away? We don't know. We got no idea. Each one of these things is to teach us that, yes, it may be a natural occurrence of the moon and the sun and, and whatever, but it's to teach us that, wait a minute, that sun doesn't always shine. There will come a point in which it won't. 
wait a minute. That lets us know that the stars won't always be there. It lets us know with the hurricanes and with things of this sort that, you know, you might think you've got this all done, but it's not. And so these times are coming. There are two things that we need to know. Well, the two things that the scripture teaches us about this sign. Believers will see the signs and know that the end is coming. Is the end coming? Yeah, you already told me. You know. Ah. The next thing we find out in the scriptures is it lets us know that the unbelievers will completely ignore these signs and will not know that the end is coming. The scriptures tell us both. That's exactly what it tells us. And so these are here to teach us concerning these things, to awaken, and yet there are going to be those that are going, oh, no, no, it's just natural. Oh, no, those things are fine. Peace, everything's, everything's going, going well. But it lets us know that there will be an end. And then, verse 27, the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and glory, uh, he will return. We've talked about the end, and we know what is coming. And yet, the Lord tells us when these things begin to happen, look up, lift up your heads, because your something draws near. What's the word? What? I thought it was judgment. How about your judgment? Your destruction. You're right. It's all, we've already been judged. What does Jesus let us know? Your redemption draws near. He's letting believers know. Yes, I'm, I'm, I, all of this is going to go away. Yes, it's going to be crazy at the end. And yet, he says, you ought to welcome the end. Because it's not the time for believers for judgment. You've already been judged. It's not the time for destruction. Your redemption is coming. Welcome the day. Um, to rise up, to lift up your heads. It's not to hunker down like you're in, cowering in fear. Um, no, we, we, we have a different uh, outcome that comes with it. And so the Lord lets us know uh, concerning this. He went on to tell them about a parable. If you see a fig tree, you know, summer is near. When you see these happen, know that the kingdom of God is near and that you ought to rejoice. You ought to be uh, uh, welcoming. He says something about this generation. Uh, This generation will by no means pass away till all things take place. This generation. You know... If I were there at the time that Jesus was saying this in Luke 21, I would fully expect that the people that are around, that Jesus was letting them know that in their lifetime he was going to come back again. I think that's the most natural understanding of these words. But did he? No. He didn't come back during that lifetime. Um, He didn't come back in the next 20 years, the next 50 years. You know, now we're in 2023 and he's not come back. Um, Therefore, I have to seek another explanation to this generation. What is it speaking of? The generation of the New Testament. Correct. Correct. Um, The scriptures describe this new birth, this generation of the New Testament, the believers in Christ. And so we know that Christ has already told us that his church will not, the gates of Hades will not go against it. It will be here until he returns. That's the new generation, the generation of the New Testament, the church, the believers. You have been rebirthed, you've been regenerated, you've been born again. That generation, as he says here, will not pass away. There will always be a church of Jesus Christ on earth. Of those who love me and keep my commandments. I I suppose in reality you could say it's the generation of the baptized. Yes. Yes. I was thinking the generation of the adopted, kind of the same. Uh, Baptism, the adopted one. Yeah, adopted is his children. Um, He goes on to say, My words won't pass away. My words won't. My word will be here too. Um, In fact, his word will continue beyond 
uh, the, the end. Although we don't need, we have him directly uh, in front of us. And so that being a means of grace, there are many means that God sets up in this world. You don't need the... Uh, 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 the, the protection of father and mother. You don't need the companionship of a husband or a wife. Nevertheless, your husband or wife will be there. Nevertheless, I don't need the church or the temple. There's not going to be a tabernacle because the Lord's there. He's our tabernacle. And, and, and so do I need the word to bring his means to us? No, I got him directly. Uh, and yet his word will by no means pass away. And here is the, the point of, of this particular passage, this particular Sunday. When we know that, when we know that the Lord is coming. Now, with the first Sunday, we said, ah, Jesus is coming as a humble king. What should we do then? If we know that Jesus is coming as our him. humble king to save us, what do we do? We believe in him. We trust in him. We receive. Well, if we know that Jesus is coming back again, and we know that he's going to bring us redemption, what does that mean? Take heed to yourselves. To what? Here's the negative. Lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing drunkenness and the cares of this law of this life. And that they come on you unexpectedly. Don't let this be your life. Don't do this. What should you do? What's the positive? This be our life. Let this be our life. Hear the word of God. Make sure that you have faith in Christ. Don't let carousing. Drug, no, be sober. Hold to the word of God. Don't let this take you away. Take heed to yourselves because guess what? If you have faith in Christ... Here's what you have coming. If you don't have faith in Christ, you know what the judgment day will bring. Take heed. Don't let that come upon you unexpectedly. Be prepared. That's what he's saying. And so what if you know Advent, hmm, normally, if it's not St. Nicholas Day, it's purple, and purple is always a penitential season, a repentance season. How do we prepare for any coming? Repentance. Uh, we know that he is coming. Uh, don't let that come on you unexpectedly. It will come as a snare on those who dwell on the face of the earth. Here comes the positive. Watch, therefore. What's the watching? Not, not this watching. <laughs> Watch. Yourself, watch, you know, be in the word uh, that you make sure that you have a lamp that has faith in it, that you have these things. Watch, therefore, and prayer. Prayer would be, you know, what did we learn? I, I, yes, I'm a believer, but, but I've got so many against me. I need to pray and ask the Lord because the Lord will keep me in the faith. He's going to keep me in that. So I got to pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and stand before the Son of Man. There are many that have not liked those words, to be counted worthy. In fact, they sound... Wait, how, how do they sound? They sound as if... They sound like you got to live up to it. They sound like, you know, are you worthy? Well, I went to church... 455 times, you know, I think I'm, I think I've, that's what we, that's what we think. And maybe it's the same problem, you know, people misunderstand. Here's what they think when they hear that petition of the Lord's Prayer. That's not what it's saying. He is worthy and well prepared who has faith in these words. Right. Given the shed for the forgiveness of sins. <laughs> what, what, what if I, what if I changed the words just a little bit um, and said, watch therefore and pray always that you may be declared righteous. Does that sound like works righteousness? Does that sound like you have to do something? No, but it's the same passive tense and the same kind of thing. So how do you get to be counted worthy? 
have Christ in us. We have Christ. God declares it. So to be counted worthy is to say, oh, you have faith in Christ? You are worthy. It's a declaration. In English, we just can't see that. Right. Because we don't understand passive verbs. Right. Right. That's exactly right. Pastor Haroon, passive tense Haroon, knows that this happens. <laughs> Jane? Not Jane, uh, Karen. Karen. Sorry. <laughs> um, I was just thinking we have Christ is worthy. So we have his worthiness. We have his worthiness. Right. Um, so we pray that through faith in Christ we would be declared, considered worthy, be made worthy. Yeah, all that is the same thing. Um, but it's a, it's a, it's something that God gives us, and that's uh, that's what it it, it speaks of uh, concerning that. You know, Jesus explains this in Matthew twenty-eight when he says, "Go," when he tells the church to go into the world and make disciples, baptizing and teaching them all that I have told you, and lo, I'm with you always to the end of the earth. So our Advent, where it talks about the coming of Christ in the banner, it says that he is incarnate, that would be in the flesh, that's the first Sunday for sure. Second Sunday is him coming in glory, and in the middle of those two is the phrase in grace. That is his coming in the word and sacrament. We find that the first Sunday, when you learn that he came in the flesh, you wish to be in the word. When you learn that he's coming again, you wish to be in the word. Guess what? This second coming and the first coming drives us to his coming in the word and the sacrament. Get out your brown sheet. We'll go to the responsive prayer for catechesis. Please stand. Holy God, holy and most gracious Father, you shall have no other gods. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. He says, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers, to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, from thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.
I will wash my hands in innocence. So I will go about your altar, O Lord. Lord, I have loved the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. hands is a sinister scheme, and whose right hand is full of bribes. My foot stands in an even place. In the congregations I will bless the Lord. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be world without end. Amen. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Stir up our hearts, O Lord, to make ready the way of your only begotten Son, so that by his coming we may be enabled to serve you with pure minds. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The final petition. O God, who makes the unworthy worthy, sinners righteous, impure pure, work in me true repentance for my sins and misdeeds, for my daily and countless transgressions. Through faith in thy Son, make me worthy to receive the sacrament of thy Son's body and blood, for the cleansing of my soul and body of all shame and sin. Through him who offered himself to thee, O God, Father, the perfect propitiatory sacrifice, who is our sinless and only mediator, through the high priest Jesus Christ, thy dear Son. Amen. Bless we the Lord. The Lord bless us, defend us from all evil, and bring us to everlasting life.